Well, this morning, we are going to talk about the indescribable gift. The indescribable gift. Jesus Christ, our indescribable gift. I thought we would start off, though, by reading Luke 2, just to put perspective on this. We'll go to, the, this is what you all expected to hear. Uh, when you're coming to church this morning, you thought, wow, we're going to go hear the Christmas story. Well, you are, but you're going to hear it from a different angle, all right? And so, but I will read uh, the Luke 2, the narrative that you all know from Charlie Brown. As Linus wrapped his blanket up like a shepherd and told you the story, I'll read that narrative to you, and then we'll go off in the direction that I chose to go and that the team chose to go. Our preaching team met way back in October, and we planned our Joshua way before October. We planned our, uh, our pastor's last service here on the 13th, and then we went into a Joshua series, uh, next man up type series, if you will, and then we were saying, what are we going to do at Christmas time? And we landed on this, the indescribable gift. The indescribable gift. So we're going to tell you about that. Let's read this together. Luke 2, I think they have it on the board behind me. I hope so. Otherwise, I'd have to tell you what page number in order to keep up with Matt and Tim because they're always telling everybody what page number and I just don't do that. So it's behind me. Great. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Thus was the first census taken while Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And if, if Kyrianus, if I'm saying your name wrong, I'm, I forgive me. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house of the, and the family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were complete for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. All the people. Good news. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as... In, just as 
had been told them. So that's the story you expected to hear. So you heard it. Praise God. And it's truth. And it happened just like it said. Just like the prophets had said beforehand it would happen. That's how it took place. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, you know, I want to read that because that sets up the foundation of what we'll talk about. But then I was thinking a little bit about Christmas and this season. And one of the things that happens during this season is advertising. Anybody seen any advertising during this season? Started back in October talking about Christmas. All right? And so I was thinking about some things. I'm thinking, man, you know what? They're very good at what they do. The advertisers are great. I wish the church was as good at advertising as these guys are. But I was thinking about some stuff, and I, I thought, well, man, they, they try to get you to believe in gifts that are too good for words. Right? So one of those, put my glasses on so I can see your faces, so I can see if you're happy or sad. One of those things that I saw that just stuck with me, one, one advertiser, one car salesman selling something, I forget which car it is. They said, it's Black Friday all the time. <laughs> right? Right? Every day is Black Friday. Come buy a car. But there was one particular one that I thought, man, alive, that's kind of incredible. There's this couple, and they come walking out of this house that's too good to be true. No one's house is that good only in Hollywood and in the driveway are these two brand new trucks you know the ad let me tell you something that ain't happening at Larry Howard's house that ain't happening but for some reason they didn't buy one truck they bought two they needed two trucks because they wanted a gift that was beyond words right they wanted a gift that you just leaves you and it left me that way, but I'm like, how in the world are they going to afford that? These trucks are at least 40000 apiece, right? You're going to drop eighty grand on one Christmas. Probably more than that, actually. They're probably a lot more than that. I haven't shopped for a car in a while, so, or a truck. My truck cost me 17000 brand new. That tells you how, how old my truck is, doesn't it? But this is what they do. They advertise. They really get, they want you to, they want you to get that gift that just leaves a person speechless. But really, it seems like these would be the kind of gifts, and maybe you've gotten, you ever gotten a gift before that you really wanted, or a gift that you totally didn't expect, and it did leave you speechless for a moment. But within days, you forgot you even got it. Within weeks, it was broken. What they don't tell you on these advertisements about these new trucks is they're going to leak oil all over your new drive. All over that house that they come out of, I, I can't imagine any oil being on that driveway. But it's about to happen if you own a truck or a car very long. Oil, servicing, tires, brakes, air conditioning, all those things that make them without words. But you got some words whenever those things start to come, don't you? Like, how in the world are we going to pay for all this? I'm already making an $800 a month payment on the truck. So these are not gifts that are too wonderful for words. They really aren't. Because the reality is that they don't show you all that other stuff. All the maintenances and all the way that things break down. And you know what? Uh, the, the guys that my iPhone's down there, and I got the latest one. 
And they don't tell you that in two years your iPhone that you buy now that for a thousand bucks is going to be outdated. Right? They give you 18-month lease. We're going to let you lease it for 18 months. And then we know what? We'll give you another one for you can, so you can lease it. A gift too good for words. Words can't describe it. But they don't tell you all that when they're selling it to you. But if you're looking for a gift today, if you're looking for a gift today that is just too wonderful for words, you are in the right place this morning. You are definitely in the right place. Because we are about to spend the next few minutes telling you about that gift, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. The indescribable one. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, where Paul is coming to the end of a treatise in 8 and 9 where he's talking about giving. Imagine that. The Bible talks about giving. 2,000 scriptures about giving. But this one here is very special. Because at the end of his treatise on giving and on how the offerings given by the Macedonians went far beyond their ability to give and God blessed them accordingly. But he ends it by talking about they did that because, the, because they believed in Jesus Christ. They had accepted the gospel of who Jesus Christ was and that's why they gave. They gave beyond their ability because of Jesus Christ. And Paul ends it right here in 15 by saying, right after he talked about the gospel, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now then, this passage has fast become my favorite Christmas verse in all of the Bible. He is an indescribable gift. He's indescribable. So much so that Paul, in all of his writings, this Paul was a genius with words. When it came to talking about Christ, he didn't know what to say about him, except that he was indescribable. So for the first time in Scripture, and for the last time in Scripture, we see the word indescribable. Because Paul just put a couple words together and came up with a term that had never been written before. He is indescribable. He's an indescribable gift. Sixty years had passed since Christ's birth. Six decades had passed, and Paul, who once attempted to eliminate Christ and the sect of people, he thought it was just like some kind of a cult. We're going to wipe it off the face of the earth. And now he's trying to describe Jesus Christ because he got knocked off a donkey on his way on the Damascus Road, and he got introduced to the indescribable gift. And the indescribable gift changed him completely and now he's writing and he's trying to describe him and he goes he just can't be described he's indescribable now the insanity of uh, trying to preach on such a passage is now I am in charge of describing the indescribable which is kind of crazy but I am a little crazy anyway most of you know that but let me walk through just a couple things here. Let me walk through some lists that I found to tell you about his indescribability. Creation 
was and is phenomenal. But it's not indescribable. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis was frightening, but it wasn't indescribable. Abraham's willingness to lay his son Isaac down on an altar and raise a knife to plunge it into his chest was remarkable, but it wasn't called indescribable. Moses leading the exodus of the Hebrew children as they left the bondage of Egypt, that was fantastic, but it was not indescribable. The crossing of the Red Sea, oh, I wish I could have been there to see it happen. It was definitely magnificent. Just hearing about it was magnificent, but it wasn't indescribable. The building of the tabernacle in the wilderness had to be amazing, had to be amazing, but it wasn't indescribable. The construction of the temple under Solomon's rule was way impressive. There's never been more money ever spent on one temple. But it wasn't indescribable. David's killing of Goliath was amazing, but it wasn't indescribable. The prophecies of Daniel are mind-boggling, but they are not indescribable. And even the preservation of the Holy Scriptures, astonishing, but not indescribable. But when you come to the gift, the indescribable gift, you just don't have words. Even with a mind like Paul's, he didn't have the words. Only the gift from God is indescribable. The gift that you received when you received Christ, indescribable. He changed your life maybe, but he's indescribable. In this time of year, this season, remembering that he's indescribable. Yes, a little baby was born in the scene that we read in Luke 2, and it was Jesus, it was Christ. Look what some of the geniuses, I would say. Kenneth Wiest, a, a Greek linguistics freak. The guy can, it's incredible what he knows in Greek. He says this about that particular term, his ineffable gift. New English Bible says the indescribable gift, his gift is beyond words. In the Living Bible, he says his gift too wonderful for words. In the Amplified Bible, precious beyond telling. A.T. Robertson wrote a wonder, Jesus is a wonder beyond description. Tasker, the divine gift which inspires all gifts. Charles Ryrie wrote, A Wonder Beyond Description. Eugene Peterson, Lone Language Can Praise It Enough. And then one of my favorite people to read, Charles Spurgeon. For all of us who proclaim it this time of year, this season, and all year long, the church has produced thoughtful scholars whom it has called divines. From these teachers, we have no doubt received much help 
in the exposition of the word. And yet, if we put them all together, they have never been able to unfold to us the entire meaning of the gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The devout and studious have themselves carried and cried out and studied and cried out, Oh, the depths! But they have not pretended to fathom this abyss of mystery. The indescribable gift. He's not describable. So the challenge is, what do you do when you're faced with a passage like this? Well, in seminary, I was taught that when you have a definite statement like this and you cannot figure out exactly how to, how to uh, define it, you ask a lot of questions. So we ask questions of it. So I have four questions I'll ask today. And those are these. Number one, the timing. The timing. When was the gift delivered? Number two, the purpose. Why was the gift provided? Number three, how was the gift wrapped? Number four, the value. What is the gift worth? So we're going to do a little bit of um, biblical gymnastics, if you will. And they got it on board behind me, thank goodness. First service didn't have it. So they had to flip through Bibles. I love it when you're in your Bible, but they do have it on the back up here. So the time, when was the gift given? I, I see in Galatians 4.4, 4, there's seven words there. In Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of the time came. When the fullness of the time came. You say, well, that doesn't give me any information. No, no, because it was God's plan. So in God's mind, when the fullness of time had come, when he had decided, what happened? God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Now, the fullness of the time when it came, it wasn't necessarily a great time for the people during that time. The Jews in that time were under heavy taxation. The people's taxes were rising constantly. Politically, the Jews were under anti-Semitic leaders who filled the Roman government, who hated the Jews. So it wasn't really a popular time to be a Jewish person. You're being overtaxed and you're hated. So give us all the money we can get out of you, but we hate you still. You can never catch up. You're always going to be hated. Not a good time. What about the economics for Joseph and Mary? Didn't seem like a real great time for them. They're teenagers. It seems like an odd time when Mary's pregnant and Joseph has nothing to do with it. That timing didn't seem right, does it? It's always shameful when you get pregnant outside of wedlock. Imagine what it was like in biblical times. It seemed inopportune to the human mind. But it was the perfect moment because it was in God's mind and it was the perfect timing. Think about this. Before, a hundred years before the birth, there wouldn't have been a common language even. There wasn't even a common language. Languages were all over the place. But Alexander the Great stopped that. There became a Greek language that everybody spoke. Interesting. 
The gospel traveled quicker because of that language. Didn't have to be broken down and put into 97 different translations. Okay? What about just travel? The travel back and forth between cities was difficult before. But the Roman Empire took care of that. They hard-topped all the roads. Now the gospel can get back and forth much quicker and easier. The stories of Jesus can be much more rapid. They're still traveling on foot, but they're traveling over hardened roads. Hmm. And then what about this? In order to get the couple from Nazareth, where they lived, because they were Nazarites, it had to be according to Micah, right? In order to get them to Bethlehem, where Micah the prophet said Christ would be born, it took a Roman emperor to call for a census. Because Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, and it was there that Mary brought forth the child, just like Micah had said. Fulfilled the prophecies of what God had said through Micah. Gives you a little sense about the timing. When was it? It was just in the right time. It was in God's time. The fullness of the, of the time had come. A definite article. The time. The fullness of the time had come. That's when Christ was born. The purpose. Why was he born? Why was the gift provided? Well, just jump over to Ephesians 2 with me. We're going to answer the why. Why would God give us this precious gift of his son? It's right there. Because we were dead. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You used to be disobedient. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, and you were disobedient. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Look, you were dead. You were disobedient. You were children of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. You do not want to be caught under God's wrath. Why would God give this precious gift of his son? Because we needed a savior. We were dead. We were disobedient. We were under the wrath of God. But look at verse 4. My Uncle David loves this term. He loves it. I've heard him say it a million times. But God, you were dead. You were disobedient. You were carrying after the lust. You were doing all these things. You were under God's wrath. But God came into the picture. Listen. But God, that's Bethlehem. That's what happened in Bethlehem. God showed up. In that baby, it was God and man all in one. Come on, people. Being rich in mercy, he has no deficiency in mercy. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. You deserve an eternity in hell. You're not going to receive it because of his mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Remember, mercy, I'm not getting what I deserve. Grace, 
I'm getting what I could never earn. It's a free gift. I'm getting what I could never earn. And he raised us up with him. And he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places today. You know what? A baby came in a manger. God and man all in one. And he went to a cross. And he died on my behalf. And he was buried on my behalf. And he was raised. He's resurrected. He's alive today. He's not dead and he's not a baby anymore. But now listen, you might think, well, you believed it because you understood it. Oh, no. Let's read on. But I'm in heavenly places with Jesus Christ so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace. You see, he's rich in mercy and he's rich in grace. In kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's that word gift again. Who's the one given? God. God. He's the gift giver. Not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And the church said, hallelujah. And the church said, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. That's eternity. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. That's the nativity. And oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. That's salvation. That's Calvary. All of it wrapped in the plan of God in giving us his son. Never get over the thrill of it. Hear me. Never get over the thrill of Jesus Christ. Never. I read this stuff, I want to get saved all over again. Can't do that. You'd be re-crucifying him. Don't do that. Never. Never, never get over the thrill and never stop saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's just two words, but it means so much. Try giving someone a gift and they not say thank you to you. What's it feel like? That's not why you gave the gift necessarily, but boy, it sure would be nice to hear it, wouldn't it? He's given the most indescribable gift ever, and you don't even say thank you. Oh, my. On we go. Our third one. How was the gift wrapped? Well, we seem to be staying in these twos here. Let's try uh, Philippians 2. God made it easy. Put all these twos in here for me. I could just run right to the twos and get it figured out. Let's go to verse 5 there of, of chapter 2. Talking about Christ. 
have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Let's just stop. Wait a minute. He exists in the form of God, but puts it aside. Sets it aside and empties himself, taking the form of a servant, a slave, a bondservant, a slave, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He came wrapped in humility. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. It's indescribable. He's indescribable. For this reason also, verse 9, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, let me stop there for a minute. I saw this in a commentary. Campbell Morgan wrote this down about Jesus Christ coming and taking on flesh. He is called the God-man. There is no one else that can be called the God-man. No one else. He's the only God-man that ever was. Listen to what Morgan says. He wrote this. God-man, not God-indwelling man, of such there are many. Many men have been indwelt by God. As a matter of fact, if you're here and you're a believer today, he's, being, he's indwelling you now. So not that one, because there's been many of them. Not a man de deified, of such there have been none. But God and man, combining in one personality, the two natures, and listen to what he says, the indescribable. A perpetual enigma and mystery baffling the possibility of explanation. If you can explain how you can be God and be fully man and be fully man and fully God, go for it. I know it's true because God says it's true. That's indescribable. Now, the verse 10 so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Let me pause for a second. You know what? If you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to you, that this man came that was God in a baby and that he was raised up and he ministered on the earth, did miracles, did all these things that he did, and then he went to a cross and he died a death that he did not deserve. He died for your sins and for mine and he was buried and the third day he rose and he's no longer here. They saw him ascend. Over 500 witnesses saw him go. If you've placed your faith in that, guess what? Your knee's going to bow that day. But guess what? This morning, if you've never placed your faith in that, guess what? Your knee's still going to bow. Because I think it said, every knee will bow. Oh, I wish you'd bow on this side of heaven. 
I wish you'd bow on this side of heaven. I don't want any of you perishing. I want to take the whole room to heaven with me. Amen? I want you all to go there. I don't want to ever look on your face and not know, not know that you know him. He told us in 1 John, he said, I write these things that you may know that you're saved. There's no guessing game with God. You know it. So every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He covered it all, didn't he? Those in heaven are going to bow on that day. Those who aren't in heaven are going to bow on that day. If you're on the face of the earth and you're before Christ, you're going to bow. If you're under the earth, you come up out of that earth, you're going to bow that day. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of who? God the Father. Hallelujah! Listen to me. Listen to me. If you confess with your tongue, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your tongue, you can know him today. Because you're going to confess either way. You're going to confess either way. So be as hard-headed and as stubborn as you want to be here. You're going to confess him. I want you to confess him on this side of eternity so that you might join me in the family of God and be with him eternally. Please don't leave here this morning without knowing him, without meeting the indescribable gift. What's the value? Well, I just told you some of the value. But now you get to go one more book forward to Colossians 2. Verses 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, all the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form. It's amazing. The baby in Bethlehem's manger who cried when he was afraid. Fully man. He still cried when he was afraid as a little baby. He might have fallen down and skinned his knees still. He had to be taught how to eat, how to talk, how to walk. He actually had to have diapers changed. The conception of him was immaculate. The raising of him was just like any other child. And yet all the way through, he's God in flesh. That's priceless, people. You can't put worth on it. What is the gift worth? What is the gift worth? I, I, I wrote here... I wrote the question, what is the gift worth? And then I said, everything. It's worth everything. It's worth every part of your life. If you spend it for him, 
Oh, you'll never regret it. And then the question is, how can you know him? How can you know him? Well, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. So, how can you know him? Receive the gift. He is the indescribable gift. Receive the gift. That's all you got to do. There's no works. Remember in Ephesians 2, we talked about there's no works. If there was works, you could boast. You could say, well, I'm smarter than everybody else because I believed it. No, you aren't. You're just as dumb as everybody else. When it comes to Christ, because you had to be introduced. How did you get saved? By faith. And who gave you the faith? Another gift. But God provided the gift of faith. See, you didn't even get to believe in him on your own. He had to give you the gift. David Howard, you could never believe him if he didn't give you the gift. Suzanne Peterson, you never would have placed faith in him if he didn't give you the gift. Malcolm Lee, you never would have accepted him if he didn't give you the gift. He's the indescribable gift. So you're here this morning, you go, so I, what do I give him? What do I give? Well, nothing for your salvation. Nothing. He's done that all. God has taken the gift. He brought it to earth. He watched it. He was pleased to watch him die on a cross. Oh, what love this is. He wrapped the gift up perfectly. And now he says, all you need to do is receive the gift. Receive the gift. So he's already done all of that. What gift could you give him today? What gift could you give him today? Hmm. The gift you can give him is yourself. If you're here today and you don't know him, give him yourself. If you're here today and you claim to know him, give him yourself. If you're here and you know you know him, why aren't you giving him yourself? Why are you still the same Christian you were five years ago? Because you haven't given yourself to him. You see, you receive him and then he changes you. Not you change and then receive him. That's the wrong way. You receive him and then you give him yourself. Romans 12. Everybody know that one? One and two. What's he say? Romans 12, one. He says, give him your body. Because of his mercy, give him your body. It's the most reasonable act of service that you can do. Give him your body. Give him yourself. You know, the greatest Christmas gift you could give this year is to the Lord. And it really doesn't cost you anything. It really doesn't. No, you can't take it out of your wallet and give it. You got to give him yourself. Dad, 
Are your children watching you give yourself to him? Grandpa, are your grandkids and grandma, are your grandkids watching you give yourself to him? Are they? If not, why not? I'm going to tell you what. This plan that God put together to send his own son to die on your behalf. I'm going to tell you right now. I would not give my son for one of you. Uh-uh. Find your own son. You don't get mine. But God gave his only son because he loved you that much. He loves you that much. You say, I've done some really horrible things, Pastor. Well, get in line. Heaven will be full of people that did some really bad things. That's why you need a Savior this morning. Amen. And this morning, if you're here, and you go, ah, I've heard this story before. Maybe you never heard it like this quite. He is the indescribable gift. He just is. He's indescribable. And so we know lots of things about him, but he's still indescribable. He said in that Ephesians 2, we're going to spend eternity learning about his mercy and his grace. Eternity. In the ages to come, he says. Well, ages to come, that's a long time. That goes on and on and on and on. So I would offer you this morning, I offer you a free gift of Jesus Christ, and I offer it on behalf of the Father. And hopefully this morning, you will want to offer him a gift of yourself. And what I'm going to pray right now, close our service out. And let me tell you something. Where you're sitting at right now, you don't have to come see me. You don't have to walk up here and talk to anybody. He can be accepted. You can receive the gift right where you sit. You just have to say, Father, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I need a Savior. I've done some really bad things maybe. Don't dwell on the bad things. Dwell on the goodness of Jesus Christ. Say, I want to take your son. I want to believe in him this morning. It'll change Christmas 2019 to be different than any other Christmas you've ever had. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the indescribable gift of Jesus. What a plan you had, Lord. What a plan. And this morning as we unwrap that gift, I want to say to the unbeliever in the room or to the believer, when? When will you accept him? When will you give yourself to him? When? And then the purpose of giving yourself is that he can love you and you can love him and you have a better relationship with him. When will be the time? Why not make it today? Why not? Oh, don't walk out the back door if you're being dealt with. I'm going to have some men that are going to stand right up here in front with me. And we'll be glad to talk to you about him. But Jesus, about our Jesus, about this indescribable gift, Lord, I pray you'd work in the hearts of the people. Uh, may this message be one that they walk home or they go home from here. And they say, that, that message... I believed in Christ today and my life changed. Or perhaps maybe we've just begun a dialogue of conviction by you with them. Would you continue to work in their lives, Lord?
Thank you for this wonderful Christmas season, this, this reminder of Jesus came all this way to make our heart his home, and I, I thank you for it, Lord. May we, Christmas is all year long when we know you, when we know you. You're the gift that's been given all year long. And so we thank you. Bless our time now as we leave here. Uh, be with each one as they travel from here. Give them safety. And um, uh, we just be right here in front, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.